The following is message two of the 2018 Calgary Weekend Blending Conference with Brother Ron Kangas, spoken on Saturday, August 18th. Message title, The Experience of Living in the Divine and Mystical Realm. Before we turn to uh, outline two, I'd like to say um, two or three more things regarding the physical realm and the divine and mystical realm. Regarding the physical realm, we need to understand uh, two matters. The first is the way the physical realm was in God's creation. which is not actually the physical realm in which we are living. Because when sin came in, and the man who is the head of God's creation became sinful, that affected the entire physical realm at least the physical realm in which we live. I don't know about other galaxies and planets, but the physical realm in which we live has fallen into vanity and into corruption. And when the Lord returns and establishes his kingdom visibly, in glory on earth, then the physical realm, the creation, or nature itself, will be delivered from corruption and vanity to be in a, a wonderful and delightful condition so that the deserts, they will blossom like gardens. So right now, Las Vegas is in a desert. I think when the Lord's kingdom is established, whoever the overcomers are of ruling over Nevada, surely they will burn down the casinos and destroy all the gambling equipment, and the desert will be blossoming. And they'll say, don't worry, just go out and enjoy a recovered creation. But Paul makes it very clear in Romans chapter 8, where he says in verse uh, 19, for the anxious watching of the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity and of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be freed from the slavery of corruption. 
so there is something concerning the physical realm that we need to see. The firstborn of my children was a daughter. And from the time she was born, I had a particular prayer concerning her. This wasn't the only prayer. But it was a particular prayer for her. That early in her life, and I had in mind like her teenage years, she would see for herself the vanity of this age, the vanity, that it would become apparent to her what the writer of Song of Songs said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, everything under the sun is vanity, it's meaningless, it's purposeless. It is because of that, I'm just sharing my way of thinking, I cannot and do not and will not positively use the word career or talk to young people about a career because I consider a career is a path you pursue in order to attain some kind of glory and prestige in the world system. But to develop your trade or your profession, that's an honorable thing. Daniel was carried into captivity when he was very young, probably 12 or so. And he got the highest education in the country where he was. And he was a full-time government employee until he was very elderly. So when the Medo-Persians took over the kingdom... Obviously, the king recognized this person is valuable. So he was functioning at the highest level of government service. With perhaps only the king with more authority than he. Yet, when the king was deceived and agreed to sign this law that no one could pray for 30 days. Daniel went on praying three times a day, knowing he would be subject to the lion's den. But the king said these two things. He's, he called him Daniel, Servant of the living God. So he recognized that although Daniel was a civil servant at a very high level, he actually was the servant of the living God. 
And then when Daniel was put into the den, the king said, The God whom you serve continually will rescue you. That is quite a testimony to bear. That you're functioning with enormous responsibility and administration. And you carry it out with the highest level of, of excellence. So that others are envious. But the impression you give to your superior is that actually you're serving God. And you're a servant of the living God. Would you say Daniel, when he was in Babylon, said, well, I'm stuck here. So I might as well make the most of it, get the best education, to have a glorious career since I'm not going anywhere. That was foreign to him. He knew that God wanted to recover Jerusalem. He lived for that, though he himself never went back. So I'm trying to make the distinction. At whatever age, but it's especially if you're a student, and your concept is you're not really living yet, you're preparing to live, then surely I would encourage you at every level to do the best, to attain the best. And if you have a trade in your trade, be the best journeyman there ever was. Or if you're in another field, to advance, to excel in your field. But if you do not know that everything is vanity, you will become part of the vanity. You may think, oh, I just I consecrated myself to the Lord. I'm 24. I'm going to go to the training and serve the Lord. I believe you. This is the voice of a 20-something. Now you're 47, you're married, you have some teenagers, there are all kinds of financial challenges, you're somewhat disappointed with your, your relationship in the church or your function in the church, then you're, you are vulnerable to say, well, I'm past the midpoint. Like I saw once this poster about you know, going down the other side of the, the hill. And then the line said, I never knew I climbed up the first side. But there's, there's, there's a declining side. So I'm going to come to the point shortly that the divine and mystical realm is itself the reality. It is the reality. And only in this realm is there reality. 
I, I do have a television screen in my house. I cannot bear to watch news more than a total of 15 minutes in a month. I just want someone to tell me the facts of what's happening, then shut up. So many vain talking heads. So this was, Ecclesiastes is in the Bible for a reason. And we need to realize that we're not living in the pure original creation of God. And I don't understand how Paul got this realization, but he could sense the, the longing of creation itself to be delivered from this bondage. And that it's subject to vanity. So let's say that you finish your program for your PhD. So there's a graduation. I encourage you to go. And the bachelor's degrees will get theirs. The master's will get theirs. Now the few doctorates will get theirs. And they put the hood on you, the academic hood and your gown. And you are Dr. So-and-so. Well, it's good to finish something you started. I encourage you to finish. But either you should say to yourself, or someone faithful should send you a text and say, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You were led to get this higher degree. God created you with this capacity. You can function at this level. You want to be a professor. You want to be a researcher, whatever it is. That is noble. That is honorable. But you also see everything around you, of which you're a part, is vanity. So you will not seek fulfillment by accomplishing something in that realm. You just live here, like Daniel lived here. And in 1977, I witnessed, by being the several other brothers, a guest in the home of a brother and sister in Taipei. And the brother was at that time the director of the Taiwan equivalent of the FBI. And he shared with us how this was presented to him and how he sought the Lord and how he had the leading of the Lord to accept that job, which he did to the highest standard of excellence. But at the same time, he knew it was vanity. So in addition to the necessity of our living in the physical realm, because we're human, and our human life is here, 
At the same time, we're not simply living in nature. The physical realm has now been taken over by the world system, all of which lies in, in the evil one. And wherever we are, we're part of the world system. If you're a neurosurgeon, you are fulfilling your training, your calling, your capacity. But you are clear this is part of the satanic world system. So you are not hoping to get a Nobel Prize or some kind of outstanding glory for yourself. You are working in the area that matches the way God made you, the way he trained you. It's a noble profession. You have a good income to care for your family, to be able to give to the Lord. So we have the physical realm that we're in, vanity. And I was in the meeting when my daughter, at the age I think then of 16, and I had told her at the proper time about that prayer. And then she said, Dad, I'm seeing this for myself. I'm seeing the vanity of it all. So you could say on the negative side, it's the vanity of vanities that motivates us to seek reality. In Song of Songs chapter 3, there's a verse which said, God has put eternity into the human heart. So in the human heart is the longing for something eternal that is something related to God. And people can do all kinds of things, especially on a Saturday night, to suppress it, but it's there. And I don't know what others' experience is in their Christian life and in their church life, but I know what mine was when the longing for reality surfaced in my being. There was such a hunger a thirst, a craving, a yearning for the reality of everything I've been taught, of everything I had seen. Well, another designation of the divine and mystical realm is that it is the divine reality itself. When the Lord Jesus came and was ministering, he said something just absolutely unprecedented. He said, I am the reality. I am the reality. And this person who said, I am the reality, in resurrection became the life-giving spirit, 
And one designation of the spirit is the spirit of reality. Even John, our apostle brother, tells us in 1 John 5, 6, the spirit is the reality. And the Lord told us in John 16, 13, the spirit of reality will come and guide you into all the reality. And I was prompted to pray this. Lord, I need to be guided. I want to be guided. And here the verb is not to lead. To guide is something more definite and personal than leading. The Lord willing will carry out an arrangement, my wife and I and others. I wanted to take her to Israel and see Israel through her. But we will have a guide, not just a leader that we follow from some distance, but J.J. Travel with Jim and Lisa Batten or whoever else will have a guide with us, not only leading us to certain places, but helping us to understand where we are and what we see. So the spirit who is the reality is the divine and mystical realm because we pointed out this realm is the consummated spirit. And the Lord desires, as this spirit, to guide us into all the reality. That's what it says. All the reality. And because we're talking about a realm that's vast, this will be a lifelong increasing experience where the spirit of reality will guide us into this aspect of reality, that aspect of reality. So I present this to strengthen the contrast. We are living in the physical realm in our human life. But beyond that, we're living in a physical realm that is subject to vanity. There is nothing in it that's not vanity. Because there's nothing in it that can supply you with a reality that will satisfy the longing in your own inner being. Only the reality can do this. And then I'd like to mention one other verse to strengthen for our understanding what the divine and mystical realm is and the importance of our being in this realm. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And if you were to reread 1 John in the near future, you might do so with this thought. 
the language is so simple. Like the language of the Gospel of John is so simple. But the thoughts are profound. Because when John wrote this epistle, and when he wrote his Gospel, he is where he's writing about. So he is in the divine and mystical realm, writing concerning the divine and mystical realm. And if you are in the physical realm exercising your smart mind, trying to understand it, the words are so simple, yet you just can't get it. You just can't get it. And so you come up with the Father's house has to be heaven because that matches the religious and natural concept. So John is where he is writing about. In verse 20 he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. And in his son, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So I start from the beginning. And we know. Okay, not hope. Not believe, but know. The Son of God has come and he's given us an understanding. You don't need a post-secondary education to have this understanding. The Son of God gives this understanding to all the children of God. And he gives us this understanding that we might know him who is true. Okay? Him who is true. That is a necessary English trans translation. The Greek simply says the true. The true. So some translations say the true one. But John just says the true the real. The Son of God has given us an understanding that we may know the true. Then he says, and we are in him who is true. Again, the same Greek. We are in the true. The true one. The one who is true. We are in the reality comma, in his son, Jesus Christ. So to be in the true is equal to being in his son. And then John says, this is the true God and eternal life. So to know the true God, we need to be in the true one, the, him who is true, but still, I'd like to say we need to be in the true, in it. And the Son of God gives us an understanding to know the true. 
and we are in him, then we can testify from within the true, the true one, him who is true. This is the true God. If the Lord continues leading in this way, uh, next month, about the middle of the month, I will give a, a presentation at Harvard University to a particular gathering on knowing God. And I'm preparing this inwardly. I want to tell them, I want to tell you not about the God in whom I believe. I'm speaking to you about the God I know. I know. So if you're an atheist, and I hope there are atheists here, we're not afraid of you. You've got to come up with some way to account for my makeup as a person who claims to know someone you insist does not exist. So I leave that to you. But based upon the word, based upon the spirit of reality, I don't care who it is, who hears about the lecture, the most brilliant of brilliant minds in North America there. One of the professors listed among the most 100 most important persons on the earth, writing books, vanity of vanities, I don't care. I testify to you concerning the true, the true. So on the negative side, if we could call it that, there needs to be a realization that we have personally that a vanity of vanities. The highest thing in the world that's related to self-glory. It's vanity. But if we don't realize this, then eventually we'll be ensnared by it. It's just a matter of time. Because the enemy, he's not, he doesn't equal God. He doesn't know everything. But he's quite a psychologist. And he knows our makeup. And he knows what part of the world will trap us. And he knows when to spring the trap on us. And he knows how to manipulate us into situations where we're vulnerable. But if it's settled in us, no matter what you offer to me, this promotion with this salary, and it comes with this package that I have to be involved with all these things, I see through it. Give the promotion to someone else. This is vanity to me. I'll stay at this level so my work does not diminish my church life and compromise my Christian life. I want my boss to be able to say, you're a servant of the living God. Excuse me for giving this personal testimony. But I was working in a certain place for a period of time. 
learning the very things I was telling you about. Then I was leaving to make a major change. Then uh, a gospel friend happened to be an African-American man. We became quite close as gospel friends. And someone asked him, well, how will we be able to find Ron again? And he said this, just ask where Christ is. Because where Christ is, that's where he is. That was his view. So surely, as we're living a necessary, practical human life to fulfill our human responsibilities and to enjoy what God has provided us in his creation. Paul says in 1 Timothy, God has given us all things to enjoy. I really wanted my wife to enjoy Banff yesterday, but if we went there, we couldn't see the thing. You know, we don't want to go there to see smoke <laughs> imported from British Columbia. So it doesn't mean we can't enjoy things. Look, the Lord created us with taste buds so we can enjoy food. But I hope we're clear. We don't fall into the notion there's only the material realm. Now we need to see that although we're living in the physical realm, we have to see it's vanity. Now I'm going to make a statement every once in a while. I'm led to do this. I didn't premeditate this. The parents of college-age students, they themselves need to see the vanity so that they do not point their sons and daughters to, the, to a direction in vanity. We, but we have found out, I personally have found out, since 1995, most of the opposition to a son or daughter attending the full-time training in Anaheim has come from their parents who are in the church life. They consider that a waste of time. Some say that's for the Americans. You will way behind in your career. You'll lose the opportunity to get married. You can, can't you just be in the church life? So there's a mixed message. So I am countering a mixed message. I'm saying if it's a trade you're pursuing, that's honorable. If it's a certain profession, mediocrity is not spiritual. Nothing spiritual about mediocrity. Do your best. Aim for the best. Progress your whole life. But see, it's vanity. That my daughter, she's gone through a lot. She's now over 50. She's gone through a lot. 
a lot of suffering. But one thing is clear to her. The whole world is vanity. When there's the hunger for reality, and the Son of God is here, and has given us an understanding that we may know the true one. We personally know it. Now for about the next 40 minutes, we'll begin to consider the experience of living in the divine and mystical realm. And learning of what the experience is can be a motive for us to ask the Lord to train us to live in this realm. And then the more we have these experiences, the more we ourselves would just want to stay here. And we realize when we're not in the mingled spirit for a period of time, that time is just a waste. Let's just say just due to various reasons, I'm not well, I'm exhausted, I'm discouraged. So most of the time from 6 a.m. until 10.30, let's say almost all the time, is out of the mingled spirit. How will I feel at the end of the day? I would have to say to the Lord, the entire day was a waste. Discount it as a zero. I'm sorry, Lord. I confess this to you, Lord. Thank you, I get a new start tomorrow morning. I want to have a new beginning. Because hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades spent outside of the mingled spirit makes it just part of the old creation and its vanity. But if we learn, little by little, the Lord is not in a rush. He's going to encourage us. Just like when a little one starts to walk, or you get out the video camera and record it. A little boy is, is walking. Let's say his dad is a graduate of West Point. He doesn't say, that's not the way a cadet walks. You need the proper posture. Walk like this. You would never say that. You're so happy that he walks three steps and then down on his backside again. This is how our father looks at us as we're beginning to walk. Right? He's encouraging us, not criticizing us for why didn't you walk until now? Why don't you do better? That's not the kind of father we have. He is really for us. Okay, point one. In the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we receive the spirit as the unique, all-inclusive blessing. I hope if this has not happened, it will soon happen to you. 
that you realize before the Lord how much you need his blessing. And you ask for his blessing. Eventually, you become a channel of blessing. That through the help of Brother Lee's ministry, just before I began to travel and visit churches, I was really helped by his ministry from Matthew 14. When the Lord was about to feed the 5,000 males, plus women and children, with the loaves and fishes, he looked up to the Father. Brother Lee pointed out the source of blessing. And it was my prayer, Lord, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything apart from your blessing. We ask for your blessing. And our God wants to give us the fullest blessing, which actually is himself as the consummated spirit. A, the Spirit is God himself, processed in his trinity through incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, that we may receive him as our life and our everything. So we have that verse in Galatians 3.14, that we receive the promise of the Spirit, the blessing. The Spirit himself is the blessing. But in the previous verse, we see the price the Lord paid for us to receive this blessing. And that verse says, he was made a curse for us. Cursed is the one hanging on a tree. So he was not only, he not only bore the curse, he was made a curse for us so that we might receive the blessing of the Spirit. That's how much our God wants us to receive him as our blessing. His son was willing to be made a curse and suffer the full judgment on the curse so that the blessing would come to us. And point B says the Spirit is the total blessing of the gospel, including forgiveness, redemption, salvation, reconciliation, justification, eternal life, the divine nature, the uplifted and resurrected human nature, and the triune God himself. Let me just come in briefly on the first, forgiveness. I don't know how God does this, but he forgets our sins. I don't know if I need to ask him. I don't know what he would say if I asked him. He might just say, I am God. But that's, he's absolutely bound by it, by the new covenant. Their sins and their lawlessness, lawlessnesses 
I will not by any means remember. So some of the things that haunt us, even though we repented of them and confessed them, the enemy harasses us. So sometimes we try to repeat the confession, the enemy's lying to us. No, you didn't, you weren't thorough, you need to do it again. Maybe at least one time when you do this, God will interrupt you and ask, what are you talking about? I don't remember any such thing. What a blessing. Amen. I mean, <laughs> all of us that are not young, there are lots and lots of things that happen that are worthy of forgetting. Oh, just the memory of them is unpleasant. But that's just one of the basic aspects of the blessing. But you have to be where this blessing is given. It's not given when we are dwelling only in the physical realm. The blessing is given in the divine and mystical realm. So if we would like to live under this blessing, we simply need to be in this realm by being in our mingled spirit. Okay, point two. In the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we receive the transmission of the ascended Christ and the supply of his heavenly ministry. In Ephesians 1.22, we have the transmission. There's actually a difference between dispensing and transmission. If I were to drink some water to illustrate, that would be dispensing. Something related to a life necessity exists outside of us. We take it into us. But transmission is re really related to the fourfold power of the resurrected and ascended Christ. It's like electricity. That's why Brother Lee used Pum, pum, pum. It energizes us. It supplies us. It empowers us. It equips us. But then in Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, we have Christ as the heavenly minister. And the footnotes on this, as well as the ministry, help us to see that the Lord is ministering not only heavenly things into us, but a heavenly atmosphere itself to enable us to live a heavenly life on earth. But let me emphasize the ministering of the heavenly elements. He, at any moment, the Lord knows your actual situation. He knows what you need. Therefore, he prays. And he ministers what you need 
by transmission into you. If you know what you need and are inclined to pray, you may do that. But whether or not, let's say you don't know, and most of the time I don't know where I am and I don't know what I need. But if I'm in the divine and mystical realm, the heavenly Christ says, I know what you need, Ron. I know why you're feeling like this. I know why you're worried about this. I know your concern about this. I'm taking care of it right now. Now, he can do this because he's the God-man. We have a merciful and faithful high priest. So in his humanity, he understands our human situation. And as God, he's able to take care of all of us at the same time. You know, God can do stuff like that because he's God. He's very good at it. So he's doing it right now. And he's doing this with us in this room right now. And so whether or not we ask him, Lord, I need this, I need that, he's going to supply us. Then I believe a number of us have had the kind of experience I'll relate now. For some reason, you're just experiencing such a flow of life. It's not just a mood. You're just being supplied beyond anything you did. You didn't pray that strong and you didn't read that much. You just get this supply and then a certain thing happens that's not pleasant then you realize the Lord knew this would happen at 317 this afternoon. So he prepared me ahead of time to supply me ahead of time so I could live through this situation. And I'll just expose myself a little as a way of exposing the natural life. On the one hand, I'm very thankful for this. Lord, that you know what's coming. You, need, you know you want to fill my tank before this happens. So through someone's prayers or your prayers, you supply me. I thank you for this. But I had to overcome something. And that is a certain suspicion. Here comes the flow. Okay. Now what's coming? Now what's coming? But thank the Lord I could talk to him about that. I'd rather have the supply than not have the supply. But my point is, he really actively cares. My spiritual life, I'm not going to go into the details began with a spiritual dream when I was six or seven. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. 
I dreamt that I went to heaven for a weekend. <laughs> and that's, and, and so I, again, I'm six or seven. And the dream is still vivid. I was just in a cloud of glory the whole time. That's all there was, was glory. Nothing religious, traditional thought of concerning heaven. Just in glory. And then, when my weekend was over, I was being led out of the cloud of glory. That's when I woke up and I realized that is the punishment. Not being able to participate in the glory. And for more than 70 years, what was planted in me when I was so little was been a longing increasingly for the God of glory to be manifested. And for all of us to be part of the city of glory. And we will all be glorified. So I, th this is part of his heavenly ministry. And whatever he wants to share with us reaches us whenever we are in the divine and mystical realm. Now, if we're not in this realm, the Lord doesn't say, well, forget you. You don't want to be here. I'll go to some others. No. He says, Ron is not in this realm. I think he needs some intercessory prayer to bring him back. So then in his ministry, he prays to bring us back. And now we're back and he ministers. What a person this is. What kind of shepherding is going on? Okay. Now the subtitles. To the church implies a kind of transmission and indicates that whatever Christ the head has attained and obtained is transmitted to the church, his body. So the church in Calgary and the other churches represented here, Lord knows the churches need a transmission. He wants to transmit to the whole church. To all of Canada. This is a reality. Be as the minister of the true heavenly tabernacle. Christ ministers heaven. Which is not only a place. But a condition of life into us. So that we may have the heavenly life and power. To live a heavenly life on earth. That's what Daniel lived. A heavenly life. Imagine being separated from your family, from your homeland, from everything familiar when you're 12 years old and brought with a few friends to Babylon knowing you'll never return. But right away, when he's so young and they're being educated in the Babylonian system, and the king wants to give them the best of Babylonian food, Daniel and his friends decide, we're not eating this. This is unclean. We won't partake of it. 
This is, this is a junior high age kid. Then the one caring for him said, look, if you don't eat this food, physically, you're not going to look very good to the king, and then it's going to be off with my head. So he's concerned for his own life. But they testified to him, you, you give us the kind of food we need. You'll see the outcome. So he changed the diet. They ate the holy food. And they were the healthiest and, and the best of the young men. They surpassed all the Babylonian kids. At 12 or 13, is anyone here 13, 15? You're not too young to begin to touch this reality. The Lord's not going to wait until you're my age before he starts praying for you. He's ministering to you already. There are certain things he wants to gain in you right now. And you, it's quite wonderful. You know when it won't make you an odd person? You'll be able to, to dress like other kids dress. You won't walk around in an FTTA uniform <laughs> with a skirt long enough to clean the carpet. You know, that's your uniform when you voluntarily sign up for that kind of training. You won't become a goofy person. You won't become strange. You'll be Jesusly human to the uttermost. And you'll bring your friends to the Lord effortlessly. Yes. I believe this is going to happen. Teenagers in Calgary are going to get saved to other teenagers as these young ones are learning to live in this realm. Three, in the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we experience God's organic salvation. And I mentioned in the first message, Romans 5.10, much more we shall be saved in his life. So would you agree with me that we need much more of the much more? So something happened to me about 23 years ago on a Friday afternoon I'll mention briefly. I'm just doing my work. And then a transmission came with a certain spiritual realization. And it was... Ron, you've heard all these things Brother Lee has been saying about organic salvation, transformation, sanctification, renewing. You agree with all of them. But now you need to pray simple prayers concerning them so that they will become your experience. In 2 Samuel, Daniel wanted to build God a house. Prophet said, good, build him a house. Then God went to the prophet and said, give a word to David. Did I say Daniel? It's David. And tell him, you will not build a house for me. You need me to build you a house. 
And they'll bring forth a son. Your, your seed, he will be my son. He will build me a house. I'll establish his kingdom. And David heard this wonderful word. Do you remember what he did? Then he went alone and sat down before the Lord. And he prayed the word back. And then said, Lord, do according to what you have spoken. And the Lord showed me, this is what you're missing. You agree. You don't dissent with anything. You fully accept. It's like David saying, yes, I, I believe you, prophet. I believe the word. But the Lord is waiting for us to complete the cycle by simply praying. So, I hear a message on Christ in his ministry and intensification as the sevenfold spirit produces overcomers. That's how he brings, out, brings forth overcomers. I agree with that. But now I pray, Lord, make me one of those. By yourself as the sevenfold intensified spirit, make me an overcomer for the body and the bride. It makes a difference. So when we are in the divine and mystical realm, we, we respond more to inner promptings like this. And the Lord makes known he wants to save us, save us in life. Then we pray simple prayers. You can do it not only at a red arrow. You can do it in the shower. You can even do it while you're shaving. I don't know why. Why did the Lord give us beards that we've got to shave every day? <laughs> I'd be happy if they never grew again. I, 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 I can save that 10 minutes to do something else. But even if I'm shaving, I can say, Lord, that man in the mirror, save him in life. Give him grace to reign in life. Renew me today. Amen. Simple prayer. But if we're not in this realm, we don't have the experience of organic salvation. That's just the way it is. It all takes place in this realm. You've got to be here to have it. The complete salvation of God has two aspects. The judicial aspect, and the organic aspect, the judicial aspect is the procedure and is in the physical realm. Christ died on the cross to solve our problems in the physical realm. The organic aspect is the purpose and is the divine and mystical, it's in the divine and mystical realm. So salvation and life takes place here. The critical need of the Lord's recovery is not to hold back by satisfaction with the judicial aspect, but to press forward to experience the organic aspect so that there may be the possibility of accomplishing the eternal economy of God. So to emphasize... So many believers, they got saved because they heard the gospel that told them Christ died for their sins and raised from the dead. That's the truth. 
they believe it, they're saved. That's it. No further salvation. They never heard about it. No salvation in life. So no growth in life. No growth in life. No building up of the body. No growth in life. No bride prepared. No growth in life. God's purpose not fulfilled with us. So how crucial it is that we see the value. But if I'm in this realm, whoa, I, I have the blessing. I receive transmission and heavenly supply. And now I experience all the aspects of organic salvation. Little by little. If you pray for them, that's excellent. If you don't, you're still in the realm where this saving life will be ministered to you. Okay, four. The divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit. In this realm, we live in the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine species. The kingdom of God has an objective side, which is God's rule over everything and everyone in the universe. But God's kingdom has an organic side, the life side. Like I mentioned, the plant kingdom is not one powerful plant ruling others. The animal kingdom is not a, is not a Kodiak bear ruling over all the others. It's the life of the plants. It's the life of the animals. So it's the life of God becomes a realm. And species, I don't know biology, but it's certainly a life form that's of the same category as another. So we and God are the same species. When I saw those three darling infants today, it was quite obvious their parents were of the human species and so were the little babies. It's not shocking at all that a human married couple would bring forth human children. Well, God actually is our father. We have been born of God. We are children of God. The spirit witnesses with our spirit. We are children of God. So we have the life and nature of God. We're the same species as God. So you have to be God-man species to be in the kingdom of God. And when you're in the divine and mystical realm, you find yourself in this kingdom as a reality then more and more you will realize this is God's need to turn the age to the age of the kingdom and to bring the Lord back to manifest the kingdom on the earth and to abolish human government. I'm just waiting for that day. I want to be part of that stone that hits the toes of the image that symbolizes human government. It's all gone. 
I'll be so happy not to hear any more about midterm elections in the United States. Oh, there's going to be a blue wave and we're going to take over the House of Representatives. Then we're going to impeach the president and drive him away. And others say, no, you won't. Then you've got socialists rising up. What a happy world when none of this is here. No politics. What, could, what, what endeavor is more evil than, than that? But before that can happen outwardly, the Lord needs us to live in the kingdom of God organically as a reality. The kingdom of God, A, is a realm not only of the divine dominion, but also of the divine species. And in this realm are all the divine things. So just as these three little ones were born into the human realm, initially their family, everything that the family is and has is theirs. Do they have to earn something to be able to get food? be able to get bathed, to be cuddled, to get toys when they need them. They have a warm bed. They have one of these super strollers now, kind of the, uh, the Lexus of, of super strollers. Okay, they, they didn't do anything. They, they just were born here, and they qualify because they are the same species, so everything here is theirs. May our eyes be open to see it's, it's all here for us. Everything in the kingdom is for us that we may live for God's purpose. B, to enter into the divine realm, the realm of the divine species, we need to be born of God, to have the divine life and nature. So it's highly likely that everyone here has been born of God. So you have the same life God has. How about that? The same life, the same nature. You also have your human life in nature. So the two will be mingled together to express God in you and through you. See, God became man to enter into the human species and man becomes God in life and in nature but not in the Godhead to enter into the divine species. So to bring in the high peak of the divine revelation here, the more you live in the kingdom of God as a realm of life, by being in the divine and mystical realm, the more you are Christified, the more you are deified, the more you become the same as God in life and nature, but mysteriously, the more Jesusly human you become. You don't become a, some kind of strange being that even the way they speak has to be mysterious. 
or even in a, in a certain church in the United States, there was a group of pseudo-spiritual sisters following their leader who prayed in an unusual way with a strange kind of in reflex, whatever it is. And then in the meeting, dozens of them are praying like this. It's just, I want to block my ears. That's not human. And so the, the, the kind of paradox or the mystery is the more we become divine in life and nature, the more Jesusly human we become. That's why I'm going to tell you this story again. I heard it from my daughter, who is the eyewitness. She's with a number of saints that are early 20-somethings. And our brother, Don Looper, is there with his wife and some others. And the hostess made it known that we have such and such flavor of ice cream. Would anyone like ice cream? So one of these, quote, spiritual sisters said to Brother Don, she said, Brother Don, in the New Jerusalem, we won't be eating ice cream. And he said, Sis yes, sister, I know. But we're not in the New Jerusalem yet. And I want some ice cream. Okay? Then, then, then let me tell an oft-told story. A lot of you have heard it. Many of you have not. But if I still, it's fun to tell it, I think it will be to hear it again. It's 1968. 140 of us are preparing to visit Taiwan for the first time, to spend about a month there and then go to some other places. And we were strictly warned repeatedly by the leading brothers, don't bring anything worldly. Don't do anything worldly. Don't get anything worldly. We're not going there for worldly things. So I'd been in the recovery for a little less than two years. I didn't want to be worldly. So I checked everything. My electric shaver, is that worldly? Should I use a blade? What kind of shirts? Short leaf shirts? Are they worldly? I don't want to be worldly. So I went there, absolutely not worldly. <laughs> and one Lord's Day afternoon, the dear saints took us by buses to Keelung Harbor just to walk around the shore. And we saw these vendors selling bags of seashells. And I myself, I wanted to get a bag to bring it home. And others of us, you could tell, oh, We'd like to get these, but that's worldly. <laughs> we didn't come here to get seashells. So I didn't buy any. None of us bought any. And this was in 1968, 50 years ago. I can close my eyes. I can still see it. I'm walking behind Brother Lee. We're walking like this. 
He has, has, he has his arms at his sides because in both hands he has two bags of seashell. <laughs> so either he is worldly or I'm just religious. Well, the latter was what was true. <laughs> and so I'm just saying this. Now, please don't send an urgent text to someone you know in Taiwan right after the meeting. I'm just kind of being facetious here. Maybe I could ask the brothers, could we go to Keelung Harbor again? I'd like to get some seashell. <laughs> Brother Witness Lee was the most human person I ever met. The most human. He was the most godly person I ever met. The purest person I ever met. The most genuine person. No politics. Everything straightforward. And that's the issue of living in the kingdom of God as the divine and mystical realm. You become a God-man. And I'm not advocating, I'm not a, I'm not a rep for haagen I'm just using ice cream as an illustration. You'll enjoy maybe some jamoka almond fudge before you eat it no more in the New Jerusalem. <laughs> the point is, we'll just be so human, normally human. But I want to make it clear because my wife is a witness, this is not an appeal for ice cream. <laughs> nor is it an appeal for seashells of any kind. It's simply an illustration. Now, the last section for tonight. In the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we live in the fellowship of the divine life, which is the flowing of the divine life. Horizontally among us, vertically between us and God, and both at the same time. This is the essence of the church life. The fellowship of life is the flow of the eternal life within all the believers who have received and possessed the divine life. The vertical aspect of fellowship refers to our fellowship with the triune God by the divine spirit. The horizontal aspect of fellowship refers to our fellowship with one another by the human spirit. So we can fellowship with one another. So I hope you're free to fellowship with me after the training. You won't hyperventilate. I, I'm, I'm just your brother. I'm standing here because we need to do that to give a message. Otherwise, I'm on the same level as you. I'm... I'm 60 years older than you. I'm from a different background. But I'm your brother. And you're my brother. You're my sister. I'm your brother. We had the same life flowing in us. In this realm, no one is excluded. No one is accepted. 
we're all in this fellowship. B, the function of the fellowship of life is to supply us with the riches of the divine life. Oh, now we're here in this realm. The divine life is flowing and the riches are being supplied. We hardly even know what's happening, but the riches are being supplied right now because life is flowing. C, to have fellowship with the triune God in the apostles' fellowship is to put aside our private interests and to join with the apostles and the triune God for the carrying out of God's purpose. So this is one requirement. We lay aside our own interests. So if you come here uh, in the church hoping to have something or be something, those are your interests. We don't promise you anything except the fellowship of life and the process and consummated triune God as the blessing and the oneness among us. We just set aside our own interests. We're not here to get anything for ourselves. We're here to carry out God's purpose to build up the body and prepare the bride. D, the divine fellowship is the reality of living in the body of Christ. So these are some of the aspects of living in the divine and mystical realm. Blessing, transmission, heavenly supply, organic salvation, the kingdom of God, and the fellowship of life. All this is ours simply by being here. So let's learn to get in here. Let's learn to stay here and to live here. And while we're learning, we just encourage one another, support one another, supply one another, and cover one another. We're all learning together. We're all imperfect learners, but we will go on. This word will not be in vain. What a wonderful realm. We are in the true. We know the true. We are becoming the same as the true. Praise him. I know sometimes after a message like this, you, you don't know what to say, a little, little slow in the beginning, but don't be afraid. Just follow the flowing spirit within you, and please come. We need your portion. This is not a formality. This is an organic necessity. So please, sisters, brothers, and if you don't speak English, Speak in another language and have someone interpret, okay? Don't be held back because of language. We need your portion.